the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. All right, so don't look now, but it looks like the NBA may be coming back. Maybe, maybe. We'll talk about it. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the StadiumScene.tv network and part of the Overtime Media crew. And I'm sure none of you are unaware of the rumors that the NBA is evaluating its return. But is it a good idea? Are they moving a little too fast? Or, no, screw it, we want our sports back. Let's talk about it. I am joined by the co-host of the Hardcourt Honeys podcast, the head editor, director of personnel, and hoops department head of Belly Up Sports, Miss Jay Johnson. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's crazy that literally last time you were on the show and last time we spoke was the day after all of this went down. And here we yeah. are. What was that? That was episode, I have it written down, 178. That was back on March 12th. Wow. And it is now mid-May. <laughs> and we're still here. How are you doing? We're still here. Everything yeah, good on your the end? Whole yeah. Thing still feels a little bit surreal. Like honestly, even though it's become, I guess, kind of, sort of normal, it's still, <laughs> it's still a little hard to wrap my head around. I guess. It's. I mean, look. If anybody wants to dig back into the archives and listen to that episode, I highly encourage you to do so. Not only was, you know, it's a good conversation, but uh, a lot of the things Jay, you and I talked about kind of happened like we didn't know anything what was going to happen at that point literally it was the day after the nba put a pause button on the season and we were talking like i don't know if this is going to happen and if it does it might not be until like the beginning or midsummer and then we talked about how the season might not return next year until december and that's definitely on the table right now uh i think we should play (laughs) the lottery and maybe we'll win some money (laughs) you know what that's not a bad idea while while luck seems to be with us a little bit. <laughs> well, look, we're the the biggest luck factor that we have are you and I. We're still we're still good, right? We're still healthy, yeah. you know. We're we're still here, and um, there's a there's a whole lot to talk about. But I, I'm glad to see that you know you're doing well. I'm glad to see that uh, Belly Up is still doing well. Um, I'm sure there have been some challenges in terms of content, but you guys are still oh, kicking definitely. it. You guys are still yeah, kicking we're, it. There. We're trucking along. We're digging deep. Well, uh, look, there are worse things, right? But it, th- you can only do so many Mount Rushmores. You can only do so many top tens <laughs> until, uh, we have to talk about the, uh, the thing that no one wants to talk about. So um, let's do that. But before we do, I just want to get some house cleaning out of the way and then we can just get right into it. Um, If you're listening to this for the first time, welcome to the show. You picked a great show to be a part of. Um, And if you haven't already, subscribe to us. Literally, we're on any podcatcher that you you choose from. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I don't know if people still use Stitcher, but we're there in case you do. And if you can, leave us a review, five stars, if you guys have a rating system available. It helps us out a ton, helps keeps the lights on for the show, makes my life easier. I appreciate it if you do. Um, also, you can follow the socials. We're on uh, Twitter, Instagram. I'm not really active on Instagram, but we're there if you want to look at old pictures and stuff and maybe shoot me a follow there. I'm there, at South of the Six. Um, shoot me a follow. Do whatever you got to do. And uh, look, we're going to talk about the whole COVID crisis today. We're, we might even talk about some KD 
We're going to talk about the shot because the shot anniversary was this past week. We're going to get through all that, but don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break first. We will be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Jade. So here's the deal. Last week, Adam Silver, Mr. Adam Silver, the librarian-looking guy himself, held a a conference call (laughs) regarding the possibility of resuming the NBA season. Now, individuals that partook in this call were said to be feeling optimistic regarding the possibility of the return of the season. Practice facilities have opened up. Last time I checked, I think it was 20 out of the 30 teams. Practice Mm -hmm. facilities are available, Raptors being one of them. Um, Regarding when a decision would be made, as per Woj, they don't have to make a definite decision in in the month of May or in the beginning of June, but they're shooting for a two- to four-week period until a decision is made. Now, before we get into specifics, does this raise any immediate alarm bells for you, or do you think... Now that after you and I have had two months since we talked about this last, maybe mm-hmm. things have fell into a groove. Maybe we have a handle on this, or maybe not. I guess what I'm asking is, what is your stance on the return of the NBA season? Um, I think I have a couple different ones. As a fan, it's like, give me basketball back already before I lose my mind. <laughs> but as a person... um. I don't know. I, 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 I have a hard time feeling like I have enough information to really have an opinion. And you know that Adam Silver, like I think we talked about this last time too, he's getting information from the best minds that are available in terms of medical, um, medical information. So I think that, you know, Adam Silver is a pretty thoughtful guy. We know that. Um, I think whatever he decides to do is going to be with the right deference to the situation. It's not going to be a rush decision. It's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be based on the players as much as the players might like to think. Mm. I mean, I'm sure he's going to listen to them, but I think he understands as commissioner, his responsibility is really to weigh everything out. Um, so I think whatever he decides to do is probably going to be the best decision. Just like deciding to shut down the league when he did, I think was the right decision. You know, I don't know if this is just me being, how do I put this? I don't, I don't know if this is me just being a pessimist or me just looking for ulterior motives. Obviously this is a business, right? And I'm not blind Mm -hmm. to that. I know businesses, especially Uh, the scale of the NBA need to make money in order to survive. Like that's sort of their lifeblood right now. Mm -hmm. How much of this do you think is financially driven? And do you get the sense that, because you just said Adam Silver has been sort of ahead of the game. Adam Silver has, you know, at least said the right things, right? And obviously we we don't know if this is how he truly feels, but I have no reason honestly to doubt him. Um, How much of this do you think is financially driven over perhaps the safety or maybe a misunderstanding or underestimation of the situation at hand? That's always, that's a really tough question because 
I mean, the bigger the dollar amounts involved, the bigger risk it is, right? We we get that. We know that that's it's part of all the decisions the NBA has made for since it's been a big business and probably a little bit before that. Um, I think it's both. I think it, historically in terms of sports, um, especially the other large sports markets, NHL, NFL, basketball tends to treat the players a little bit better, I think. Right. Um, so I think it, it's weighted maybe a little more towards making sure everyone's going to be okay. And I mean, long term, it's it's financially worse if they jump the gun than it is if they wait till the right time as well. So I think the combination of that, I would probably give it like a, I don't know, 45, 55 split towards everyone's health, maybe. What would make it um, more detrimental if they jumped the gun? Obviously the health of the players, but in terms of finances, what would make that worse off for the league? Um, well, it, it's the it's the potential of having to stop again. Right, yeah. Right? So if, if they start again, players start getting sick again, and they decide they have to stop again, I think like it's going to cost money to get everything up and running again as it is. It's going to cost more money than it costs just to resume from an off-season. There are procedures and things that are going to have to be put in place. And if they do that and then they find that they have to stop, they're going to have to do that again, which is going to double whatever those costs are to make sure everyone's healthy when they come back. And just starting up and starting again or starting up and stopping and possibly having to start again is... I just I think it's going to cost more that way than if they just wait maybe a little bit longer and make sure it's a time where they can get running and keep running into whatever they decide to do, whether it's the end of this season or starting the next season. I think that's a good point. And, you know, when it comes to how they said they were going to handle testing, um, mm-hmm. I think Silver has been pretty adamant about the notion that until there's enough testing available for civilians just like regular ordinary people yeah um, and frontline workers of course um i don't think he wants to resume this the season you can look at that either as you know in terms of ethics like there's a big ethical reason why he wouldn't want to do that and pr like you don't want to be that leak and this is like no. to me, i think i think you sort of like said it but not really outright said it so i'll say it uh, you don't want to be the nfl you don't want to be the league that just comes out and says, uh, we don't really care about like the health and yeah. safety of our players. Like, And if you civilians don't have these available, we don't care because all we care about the Shield. I don't think Adam Silver operates that way. And I do think, yes, there's an element of PR that goes into this. Again, this is a business. But uh, when it comes to testing, I don't think we're at the point where we can get tests for every player maybe even like twice a week. I think even that yeah. is a bit too much to ask. Would you agree? That's what I was going to say. Like if they're really going to do it effectively, I-, I would say a player would need to be tested before every time they take the floor for a game, like for practice, they know they can do social distancing for practice. Right. Cause what I've read is that, that there would have a player and they would have a trainer and it would be a one-on-one or two-on-one kind of training. So they can still keep 
distance. They're going to have to sanitize balls and hands and whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's a thing where they they have a few options. But if they're talking about actually playing games where there's going to be contact again, presumably every player would have to be tested before every game. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, I don't see that happening. And, you know, no, either. I do think there is. So from what I'm reading, again, it's really hard to get accurate information, especially when everything is being developed legitimately in real time, right? And now mm-hmm. that everything's being politicized, it's even harder to get accurate information. But from my understanding, um, scientists are developing, or pharmaceutical companies, whatever, they're developing uh, an instant test. Basically, it's yeah. like a, a swab or a saliva test that can give you results in a matter of minutes, and they're trying to produce these in mass quantities. If and when that's available for everyone, talking frontline workers first and foremost, uh, civilians, athletes, everyone, um, mm-hmm. then maybe you have an argument. Then maybe you have a leg to stand on to say, okay, like we can legitimately test our players every day, right? We don't necessarily have to worry about social distancing to the extent that we do right now because we can have immediate results and then we can like follow a chain of command as to who was in contact with who. But until right. then, like, it's just a kind of a guessing game. And, like, moreover, let, let's be honest here. The majority of the people of the NBA, yeah, you have some people that are, are, are very mature. I'm not trying to discredit anybody's sensibilities here. But we're still talking about young men, right? We're still talking right. about young men that, like, kind of want to do whatever the hell they want to do. And yeah. it's really going to be hard to, to isolate and force quarantine these players, especially in, in areas in which you know, social distancing measures aren't really being that enforced. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't see them, quote-unquote, following the rules and doing what they're supposed to do because, again, these are, like, young men. Look, I remember when I was, like, 24, 25, I wasn't doing anything that I was supposed to do. I was doing whatever I wanted. And, of course, like, <laughs> yeah. why should we expect athletes to just be any different? I, I, I get it. Yeah. Like, they are paid well and whatnot, but they are human beings at the end of the day. And they're still kids like the NBA is one of those things that's starting to make me feel old because I realize there's only like a handful of dudes my age or older now in the NBA, (laughs) like really just a handful. And so and even to say 24, 25, like a lot of the guys are even younger than that in the NBA. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point, like especially those who are away from maybe their families and living on their own. I don't like in terms of, of this being South of the six, I think the Raptors as a group are all pretty beyond their years as far as maturity. But when you get into the league as a whole, we know that the Raptors have a special culture and that they Messiah recruits for personality and character. Right. And that's, that's not a thing that every team does. So I think that's a really good point that, yeah, young boys are not always the brightest or don't always have the best judgment. Right. <laughs> and, and that it's it's definitely something that has to be taken into consideration. And this brings me to the possible destinations. Now, a- apparently, reportedly, Toronto mm-hmm. was floated out as a possible destination. I personally don't, and this is not discrediting anything regarding Toronto, they're handling, I feel, in comparison to how like our leadership, and I say ours and well, my leadership mm-hmm. uh, is <laughs> quote unquote handling things down here, not very well. Um, but you know, and, and from my understanding up north, uh, they're they're doing what they're supposed to do, and obviously there's some resistance. You're going to get pockets of that everywhere. 
But their um, policy as to, you know, large gatherings, even when it comes to sports, are pretty robust, right? And they're, yep. and they're long-lasting. I think, in fact, they're, they've canceled large groups or, or events until September, I want to say. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it's the entire summer. Um, I yeah, don't. So I, I read up a little bit in preparation, and Mayor Tory, Toronto's mayor, was saying, don't expect... Don't hold your breath for sports, even without fans, until the fall. There you go. Okay. So, Toronto's out as a destination. But this still leaves the two most popular ones at with Vegas and Orlando, specifically in mm-hmm. Disney. You're not going to have 24, 25-year-old people stay inside of a hotel in freaking Vegas. They're going to want to go places. Like that's, that's just insane. It's not happening. It's not <laughs> happening. Especially if, like, the mayor of Vegas is going to open up like, you know, casinos and stuff. You mean to tell me like, look, I'm guilty of it too. I would be to have a sense of cabin fever as well. If I yeah. knew that like in the next hotel over, there's a big group of people having fun doing whatever they wanted to do. Meanwhile, I'm here watching HGTV. Like I, I just, I, I'm not yeah. that kind of person. So I imagine there are other people that would want to be the same way. I feel also that like, I just want to be clear here. I would probably stay in my room because, you know, I don't want to get sick. And I don't want other people to get sick, but these are flawed individuals in their own way. I just don't I mean, see Vegas being a responsible destination. I'll just say there's no way James Harden stays in a hotel <laughs> in Vegas the whole time he's there. That's not a thing that happens. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> or even Disney, right? Like, especially yeah. if they're going to open it up to the public, which I think rumors have it that they are. Um even if that sounds sh- insane to me. Like oh, yeah. that seems so premature. I hadn't heard that till you just said it. I'd heard about Disney, but I hadn't heard that they were thinking about opening it to the public. That seems like a terrible idea. So a good friend of mine that I work with, um, he's a huge Disney head. So he gives me all the Disney information, completely unasked for and unprompted, <laughs> by the way. But he just he gives it to me, and I listen. Um, he talks to me about their plans, and apparently their plan is to initially let only ent- uh, residents, rather, of Florida. I don't think they're isolating it just to Orlando, because I don't know that that many people actually live in Orlando. But when it comes right. to Florida, I think they're allowing Florida residents to go in. Um, only a certain amount of people in the park allowed per day. Uh, their goal is to social distance and have six feet apart in line. Good luck with that. Um, and yes, people have to seriously. wear, yeah, people have to wear masks at all time. If the NBA is going to try to make this a, their own little hub bubble in Disney, I, to me, that's almost as bad as Vegas, right? There's going to be so much temptation yeah. to go out, especially like if you're asking these athletes to be without their families for X yep. amount of months, uh, that might be a problem in and of itself. But if they do allow their families to come in and you have kids there, those kids are going to want to go to Disney like immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How are you going to go to Disney with a child and tell them that we're not really going to Disney? Yeah, you have to stay in your hotel. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. I just don't see how this is practical, and I don't know if you disagree, but as much as... Look, I know I sound sometimes on the show like I, it seems like I don't want sports to come back. I, that's not true at all. I, I want basketball to come back. I've been craving it, but I want yeah. it done responsibly, and I don't want to see anybody else get sick, and... With these two destinations, like if it was in a boring place, I'd be like, all right, yeah, what are they going to do? There's nowhere to go. <laughs> like, Yeah. 
if they did it in I don't I don't want to be disrespectful to a city, but like just some boring ass city, like I don't know where no somewhere one... in the Midwest. Yeah, lots of open fields and nothing else to do. <laughs> so I guess the only thing that comes to mind is OKC. Like I don't know how they're doing in terms of of their their stats with COVID right now. But if they if they oh, were okay. like, yo, we, there's plenty of open space here, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Where are they gonna go? Yeah. Um. But there is one more point. Actually, I have a couple more points I want to touch on when it comes to COVID. Um, and this was alarming for me. And this sort of calls back to um, what you were saying about, you know, the risks involved here and shutting the season down again and having that be financially costly. Adam Silver apparently went on record to say that if a player or players were to test positive, the season would not end and the players or players in question would isolate and quarantine. That does not sound right to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it. I think it's similar to what you're saying. Like, we really do want sports to come back, but like, at what cost? And I think that idea falls into a at what cost. On the other hand, I did read an article this week, um, not sports related, just COVID related, that said it's going to be around kind of from now on. Right. Until they come up with a vaccine and that's years away. So at the same time, in, if we're not willing to wait for a vaccine for sports to resume, which could be one, two, three years out, what Adam Silver is saying might be the only way to do it. Yeah. I mean, like when it's so we're in a catch 22 because yeah, we exactly. can't we can't if, if the vaccine is years away. We can't wait years for the NBA to come back because money is going to be lost. And again, like it, it's the root of all evil here, but this is le- the legitimacy is when it comes to running a, a multi-million billion dollar business. Like you need that yeah. lifeblood. And without fans and attendance, without, well, merchandise sales, I feel would probably still, you know, occur, but they wouldn't nearly be as strong without ticket sales, what have you, television revenue. Yeah. You're not going to be feeding that beast. So it, I, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's the case of if this is going to be around anyway, w- we have to get it done. Unfortunately, there's a risk involved. And I guess you're leaving it up to the individual to to be responsible and do what they're supposed to do. And at the end of the day, you're kind of doing that with civilians as it is in terms of you know yeah. cities and, and states and provinces. So I don't know. Maybe there's there's a time and a place to be like, look, we're all adults here just do what you're supposed to do and keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. And unfortunately the way things like this go, and this is going to sound really, really morbid, but it's just kind of true. The fact that most people who were going to have serious problems from it have had it or passed away from it already. Mm. And I mean, it's, it's a harsh thing to say, but that's, it's kind of the truth. And that's how pandemics like this work, right? It, it gets the weakest people first, and after that, it's it might still be around, like chickenpox. Right, right. We have lived with chickenpox for years. There's a vaccine now. There's no vaccine when I was a kid. It was get it when you're young, otherwise yep. it's going to be worse when you're older. Same, right. So I I was actually just thinking about this today, and that, that COVID could end up being kind of like that because it hasn't hit young people hard. Um, 
it's it's been mostly it's been older people that have had or immuno immunocompromised people that have had serious problems with it and if if doctors are saying look this is this is part of life now um it 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 might turn out to be a thing that it was that it was just like oh this didn't exist when we were kids and now it does and that's just where we are well, I mean, so I think that's the whole herd immunity mentality, right? And that's that's yeah. the argument for it is that hopefully with this, because it's still novel and we still don't know, but hopefully the case is that once you get it, you don't get it again. Or if you do get sure. it again, it's like later down the line. Um, that's why they're testing for the antibodies. But they're apparently, from what I'm reading, again, I don't know how reliable or unreliable this information is, but in South Korea, there are people that have been uh, being tested positive twice throughout a, a pretty decent chunk of time. Um, they're not yeah. sure if this is like a false positive. They don't know that this is part of the cycle of the virus. They don't know if like maybe there's some residual uh, remnants of the virus. I don't know. But if, if that's the case, that that's very scary. <laughs> well, I have a little bit of information on that based on how Ontario was at first um, when they really started tracking everything every day and making that public knowledge, mm -hmm. the resolved cases were not going up. Okay. Um, they were staying at the same spot and there was more and more and more cases and it was kind of like, okay, what's going on? And the reason that the resolved cases was staying low was because they were requiring a test a certain amount of days apart and both tests had to be negative and that wasn't happening. And oh, wow. so eventually they realize that it's going to be in your system even after it's run its course and the symptoms are gone and you're not contagious anymore. It's going to remain in your system. And the way that they're testing, you're going to still test positive for it. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that you can pass it on. It doesn't mean that you're still going to have symptoms. Um, and so once they changed that, the resolved cases went way up and the number of new cases is still coming down. So I think if it was a matter of you could get reinfected and you were dangerous, um, the numbers, at least where I live, would would reflect that, and they're not. Okay. All right. But that's encouraging then that even if you do have like some sort of residual uh, effects of the virus afterwards or like the the presence of it that doesn't mean you're yeah. you're symptomatic that which is sorry that doesn't mean you're contagious which is right. encouraging um so let's assume that all goes according to plan two three weeks from now they say all right green light let's go um from my understanding there's going to be like a three-week training camp quote-unquote sort of thing going on um to get them ready um i'm Measures will be taken. We just talked on them, but no fans in attendance. And again, this seems obvious, but when you think of things like, you know, the shot, right? And again, we're going to talk about that later on, but imagine that moment with no fans. I, I knew where you were going as you started to say it, and my brain was like, oh, that would suck. Right? And like, it makes you appreciate yeah. how vital the crowd noise, the response, even yeah. if, you're, if your team loses that silence at the end of the game is sort of like palpable and you're just like oh yeah no this is i i can feed off of that because there are people yeah. in this world that feel the same way i do are you gonna have a hard time watching sports without fans in attendance uh absolutely not no i just i miss basketball that much <laughs> <laughs> and i mean i assume they'll pipe in noise so that'll give a little bit of 
of ambiance, I guess. Mm. But I mean, LeBron James has said he's not going to play without fans. Yeah, okay, LeBron. <laughs> so <laughs> you're gonna like play. <laughs> those things. And I was talking to my department about this uh, for Belly Up, and I was he was kind of like, well, if LeBron's not gonna play, Adam Silver's gonna not not start basketball. And I'm like, well, I don't think I don't think LeBron is as big as he thinks he maybe is. But at the same time, I don't know if his ego would allow him to backtrack on that stance. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I don't see any theory under which sports comes back at the beginning with fans. Like that's as far as I'm concerned, that's not happening. Sports is going to resume in empty arenas first. Yes. Yeah. And that's the responsible and correct thing to do. Um, but it would not surprise me because also Adam Silver has gone on record to say, well, sorry, within the conference call saying that he's, they're developing or thinking of creative ways to implement a fan experience, right? And I know the NFL has said something to the notion of they want to have virtual fans, like fans on like little tablets or something in the seats, right. and they're going to pipe that in. So if the NBA does something similar or the same thing, LeBron can save face and be like, yo, fans are technically here, <laughs> but they're not here. So like, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> I told them without those tablets, I'm not playing. Sure you did. I feel like that's his, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's his only out. This is out clause. If if they figure that out. Last thing before we move on, um, I wanted to get your take on this because I do think there's some legitimacy behind this in a way. Shaq has gone on record to say that whoever wins this year, if play were to resume and they have a playoffs, it's an automatic asterisk. How do you feel about this? Yeah, I, I I was thinking about this in terms of the Raptors, of course, specifically, mm-hmm. because I was like, crap, this is the worst <laughs> time for this to happen, because there's already an asterisk for other fan bases on our current championship, because we had Kawhi, and because KD got hurt, and blah, 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 blah. It's my least favorite thing to talk about, if you couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> But now it was like they were doing so well. I wrote a um, I wrote a preseason preview of them where I said they were going to finish between third and sixth, uh, as high as third, not lower than sixth in the conference. They were doing better than that, and I got flack for that call as it was. Mm-hmm. And so then for them to have been even in a better place than that, and the way the season was going I thought they had a legitimate chance to go to the finals again because Nick Nurse is going to outcoach Budenholzer oh, yeah. every day of the week mm-hmm. so I was thinking about that I've been thinking about that kind of since it the season is shut down is like they had a chance to prove that the asterisks last year was not valid and then the season shut down and, and yeah, I agree. Whoever does win is going to be an at- like it doesn't matter who it is. For the Raptors, it's especially a little bitter as a Raptors fan, but for sure there's it's like a lockout season, right? Well, I mean, yes. But I, I know we're gonna talk about Kevin Durant in a little bit, but if you think about it, the the playing field is completely even now, right? Sure. So when you look at the the Golden State uh argument I guess I don't even want to use that term but the the excuse I guess for Golden State fans or NBA fans that hate the Raptors 
to say like you wouldn't mm-hmm. have won if Kevin Durant was healthy and same thing with Clay. Um now everyone's healthy. Although Clay played most of the series for the record. True. No, no, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm on team Jade on this one for sure, but like, <laughs> um you know, everyone's healthy for the most part and you know Yeah. Again, we're going to get into Kevin Durant in a minute, but so the the playing field is even now. Everyone has had the same amount of time to rest. Everybody else sure. had the same um I don't want to say opportunity, but the same sort of time to themselves to either train or not train with the means that they had available to them. And again, mm-hmm. if they're quarantining at home, these are well-paid athletes that I'm sure they have some sort of basketball apparatus to practice. Um, yeah. I, I get that the time off makes a difference and like it kind of messes with the players' grooves and their routines, and I, I don't underestimate that at all for any athlete. But at the same time, the playing field is even and no one's hurt. So maybe this quote unquote asterisk isn't nearly as, uh, it doesn't throw nearly as much shade as the, the Warriors Raptors one, right? Because right. if you put an asterisk on this, I'd say, well, why? And they say, well, cause of COVID. Well, again, the playing field's even. Whereas last year, right. I kind of can see, even though I don't agree with it, I could see someone or picture someone making that argument, and th- yeah. no one's going to win. But with this one, to me, it just seems illegitimate. Well, and I think in, in from that standpoint, the Raptors are actually at an advantage to other teams because to have the third best record in the league and have the number of injuries we had, like everyone knows in basketball, if you can have consistency in your lineup, that. That's what you want. Right. And we've been lucky that Nick Nurse is a magician and he can do it with lineups changing constantly. But I've thought about how interesting it is that for two seasons in a row now or or one in a bit, we've seen Nick Nurse do this without ever having a consistent lineup. So it would be interesting. and, And I think people would be even more surprised with the Raptors what they're able to do when they're able to come back, when everyone is, like you said, healthy, uh, Mark Gasol won't be coming off of a championship season and a World Cup win. And a hangover. Right, right? So <laughs> his injuries and his tiredness at the beginning of the season will be canceled out. Everyone will be healthy. Like, I, I'm dying to see the Raptors get some run without having to change the starting lineup 15 million times in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, even if the season played out the way it was the plan to, and the Raptors ended up winning the championship, it's just an automatic asterisk to those people because it's it's the Raptors. So it's like, the Raptors. yeah. So like, I I don't care. Like, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Like, you know, let's not. I forget- have to. I yeah. have to actively make myself not care. Like, I have this buddy that I talk to, and he's more of a baseball fan, but he likes basketball enough that we chat about it, mm. and. I got really mad a couple of weeks ago at him because he he had this things like, well, I watched I watched the final, so I know everything I need to know. And I was <laughs> like, really, dude, really? Like, I haven't missed a Raptors game in four years, but sure, based on the games that you watched, you know more about the possibilities than I do. He's like, oh yeah, I saw everything I needed to see in those seven games. I'm like, it was six games, asshole. <laughs> now your ability is shot. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. And you know, it's it's kind of like the argument that the the 76ers were one bounce away from the finals. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, hello. <laughs> like, I know it seemed 
like the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Because that that would have been awesome if that's what sent the Raptors to the finals. That's you know how yeah. you would have liked it to draw it up. But uh, 76ers aren't beating Milwaukee. No, they not are not. Chance. But not and not even that though. So I wrote an article a little bit ago about how the Sixers need to pick between Embiid and Simmons. Absolutely. Yeah. And I compared their situation to the situation in Minnesota where they had Cat and they had Wiggins and they thought we're going to build our team around these two guys and ultimately it just wasn't going to work. Right. And I said the Sixers are con- like I'm not comparing talent between those guys. But the situation is the Sixers are not going to get anywhere with those two guys. So anyways, the company that Belly Up uses to do our T-shirts are Philly fans. And so they happened to read this article and they came at me on Twitter. And that was one of the things they said. Oh, we were one bounce away from the finals. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) First of all, you were one bounce away from overtime. overtime. Yes. Like you still had five more minutes that you would have had to play against us. So first of all, you weren't even one bounce away from the Eastern Conference Finals. And then you still had to go through Milwaukee. Like, there's no way Philly goes to the Finals through Mil- That's just not a thing that happens. I don't no. care what you say. No way. This, it's No, they're not. They're not winning <laughs> that, especially with, like, maybe Jimmy Butler would be able to muscle them through a game or two against Milwaukee. Maybe. And again, Maybe. like, I know a lot of people hate Jimmy Butler. I'm a closet Jimmy I love Butler. Jimmy fan. Butler All right, good, good, good. You and I are on the same page. Like, he's my favorite non Raptor. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, it's Stockholm Syndrome because he's a Raptor killer. So, like, I'm automatically. <laughs> See, I, I think he's him. mostly he's misunderstood. And I think my personality is quite a bit like his. So, I, I kind of get him. There you go. Yeah, yeah. See? Similarities. There you go. Well, uh, yeah. So, no matter what. Even if the the NBA season resumes, Raptors win the championship, people are going to call it an asterisk to me. Just another championship. Ah, yep. Two in a row. We'll take, we'll take one more banner. I don't care how it comes. I don't care. Put put all the asterisk. Make a banner that is an actual asterisk, and I don't care as long as it says champions underneath. I don't care. That would be epic. And you know what? The Raptors are totally the type of organization that would do that. Just do it. Just do it. Like yeah. on the Larry OB, instead of the ball on top, it's just an asterisk. <laughs> Love it. I love it. All right. Uh, let's let's hit pause right there. We'll be right back after this break. We want to talk about Kevin Durant. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey, speaking of uh, people that don't believe in the Raptors, did you hear that Quinn Cook said that if KD played, the Warriors would win in five and it wouldn't be close? Uh, I know somebody said that. I don't know if it was Quinn Cook that I heard. I know lots of people have said that yeah. or something similar. Quinn Cook came out and said, you know, with if KD played, it wouldn't be close. Warriors in five. Eh. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, He's entitled lot... to his opinion. Yeah, of course. Yeah, his his non-championship opinion. Uh, when it comes <laughs> to Kevin Durant, um, it, uh, apparently the story has been sort of flip-flopping, but from the horse's mouth himself, he said, no, he's not going to play. But there has been talk that if season resumed, whether or not Kevin Durant would play, apparently members of the higher-ups for the Brooklyn Nets said it's still sort of on the table, whereas I think Kevin Durant and his representation has said it's not going to happen. You've had some thoughts about this. Now, this is 11 months rehabbing from an, a torn Achilles 
And he also yeah. had COVID. Let's not forget, like he was one of the the Brooklyn Nets player that had COVID. What have your What are your thoughts about this? Do you think that maybe he's just playing mind games here, or do you think no, he he really has no intention on playing? I think he has no intention of playing. I, I, I and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying I really dislike Kevin Durant, so this is a hundred percent biased. I'm aware of that. I'm okay with it. That's all right. Um, I Kevin Durant has always struck me as being a bit soft. Uh, the thing that I heard was that he didn't want to play because he's already had COVID. Um, okay. Whether that's what's true or not, that was the tweet that, that somebody posted in, in my basketball department for work. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, Being objective, I'll try and put my dislike for him personally aside. Sure. If you were if if it was me and I was rehabbing from an injury like that, the season's been completely discombobulated. There's no idea whether they're gonna play playoffs and then have a little break and then start again, or if they're gonna start in December. Like I guess I can kind of see professionally why it probably wouldn't really make sense for him to play. Especially because the Nets aren't going anywhere this season, let's right. face it. First round, not um, yeah. So why why kind of bother? But on the other hand, I think it's kind of short sighted too because rehabbing from an injury like that it takes a good solid year of playing to get back into game form if you ever get back. Um, and so I think it would be smart to play as much as you can play before there is another full season because you're going to be just that much closer to having your game back in rhythm having your body back in rhythm that you in the at the levels you need to play an 82 game season Mm. well so before from my understanding before the the season was scrapped or at least put on pause um he was progressing to three on threes um so that at least alludes to the notion that he was on his way. But I think the points you make, it's for, strictly professionally speaking, that makes a lot of sense. Like, why risk all the work that you have done in terms of a rehab process to maybe complete a season and maybe complete a playoff run? Whereas, like, yeah. the, the chances of this, again, being put on pause are rather high. Um, mm-hmm. Or it's scrapped altogether. So... I think there's a difference between someone like Kevin Durant, though, and someone like Kyrie. And even though they play for the same team, I know Kevin Durant, no one expected him to play this season. But I don't know, and again, like this is speaking out of ignorance, but I don't know that he was declared out for the season. Whereas Kyrie was declared done for the season. So it... Even it, for me, even if Kyrie Irving wanted to come back, I don't think he should be allowed to because it's been declared out for the season and, like, there's no COVID clause for right. this kind of yeah. thing. Whereas Durant, if he wanted to, I think there's a little leeway to be like, well, we never, we just assumed he'd be out, but because of this, now that is beneficial for us. Would you agree? Right. Yeah, like, I think it's similar to when somebody's put on the injured list before a game. Yes. Right. Like that list comes out before a game. That's the list. You can't change it. So I think that sh- I think I agree with you. I think that should be similar where if they said he's out for this season, if we resume and it is still the 20, 
2019-2020 season, then he shouldn't be able to play. Bringing this back to KD, though, like, you know, a lot of people have a, a, a bad taste in their mouth when it, when it comes to Kevin Durant. And a lot of it is for, I don't want to say good reasons, but the way he carries himself sometimes is yeah. a little questionable. Um, how much of this do you think is fueled by fans, like, for lack of a better way to put it, just like maybe he just doesn't want to deal with it. Maybe he doesn't want to deal with the drama that comes with being, you know, back in this type of situation. Maybe it's like a pre-Madonna thing. Maybe he legitimately feels like without, you know, fans in attendance, maybe I don't I don't want to play. Maybe I'm not as motivated. I'm sure that's the case for a lot of players, right or wrong. I'm sure that is a factor. But mm-hmm. maybe Kevin Durant, as blunt as he usually is, you know, maybe that's the reason why he's getting so much pushback because he's just like, no, I don't, I don't want to play. And when you hear that, it's kind of like, what do you mean you don't want to play? We want our basketball. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, your reasons are kind of valid. We just don't want to admit it. I don't know. I don't know that I'll ever believe that Kevin Durant doesn't want that kind of drama. I feel like he kind of thrives on it. Like, what, like, what do you need burner accounts for? There you go. What are you getting into <laughs> to DM arguments with 14 year olds on Twitter. Like I, I think he loves it and hates it kind of at the same time. And I don't know. I have a hard time seeing him as somebody that tries to avoid that kind of thing, because I mean, there are easy ways for him to avoid it. Otherwise, other than not playing the game that he's played, paid millions of dollars to play. Right. There's lots of other ways to avoid that kind of drama that he's never once employed. Well, so I just kind of wonder if I I think he's I just I don't know. I just think Kevin Durant is is fundamentally soft. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget, too, like. A lot of basketball players now like to have things. I don't want to say cater to them, but they like to sort of make their own pathway to success, oh, right, yeah. or, you know, right or wrong. And that's fine. But in terms of like building super teams and stuff and, and playing with your buddies and whatnot, I'm sure if things were going well or better for the Nets, maybe he would be singing a different tune. Maybe if, right. the, if the Nets were in the Raptors position, maybe Kevin Durant would be like, oh man, I'm kind of motivated to play and no fans, no drama. I don't care. Like I'm sort of on my way to a ring. And again, bringing it back to Kyrie, if the Nets follow suit with that and the NBA sort of enforces that and says, no, you already declared out, well, then I could totally see Kevin. Well, I'm not playing. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> if Kyrie's not playing, well, I'm why? not playing. Right. Why would you? Yeah, I think that's a good point, too, because also if they were going to be more of a playoff team and now that he's in the East, I don't think he passes up an opportunity to face the Raptors again if the bracket falls that way. Which right now it does, too. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's a lot to say about the lack of chemistry. Like, you can have all the practice practices you want, all the three-on-threes you want. But mm-hmm. if you're not in real game time with these players, you're not developing yeah. that chemistry. Like, it, if, if he were to play him and Kyrie, I'm sure they've had some sort of chemistry. Maybe they play in the offseason together. Maybe they, they've established that already. But even minus that, I can just see like dump offs to KD. Like this that's the yeah. way I see it. Kyrie and KD show, which maybe that would be advantageous to them against a team like, I don't know, Detroit if they made it or even right. Philly. Like, I don't know, maybe that would help. Yeah. 
but it, they're not going to help like against the Raptors or the right. Bucks no. or even even Boston. Right. Right. Like it's not going to be like even before COVID happened and KD went out there, I'm like, nothing's going to I don't think anything's going to happen in Brooklyn. I don't think they're going to be championship. I don't think they're going to be fundamentally excellent. I think they lack leadership, even with both those guys out there. Um, I know Kyrie fancies himself a leader, but I don't think he knows the first thing about it. No. So, like, to me, the Nets was always still, I know it was a big conversation, and it's Kyrie and it's KD, and I I was always like, meh, I'm not even, like, they're not even on my radar as a problem for the Raptors. Are you, let's assume things stay the same, right? Let's assume (laughs) that the Raptors re-up Fred Van Vliet, um... You can choose one of two of Gasol or Ibaka. I don't think both of them are coming back, but I don't necessarily think it matters given the success that the team has had with just yeah. primarily Serge Ibaka. Um, assuming all that and assuming everything stays the same and Kevin Durant and Kyrie play next year for the Brooklyn Nets and that uh, that team more or less stays the same, do you think that they're a threat to the Raptors? I don't. I, I They don't worry me. Not at all. No, I mean, I'm more, honestly, in the, in the conference right now, say all the teams stay the same, my biggest concern is Miami. Yep. Yep. I think they're the most like us in terms of their culture and the way that they play. Um, and I think those similarities is what would make it our hardest challenge. Like Philly, I'm not even, wor- like, Philly's not on my radar at all because Ben Simmons hasn't added a jump shot and him and Embiid are both still there. As long as that situation is what it is, we're we're always going to be able to beat Philly. And in Milwaukee, like I said earlier, uh, it's it, to me it comes down to coaching. Like even last at last season, I thought Milwaukee was maybe a slightly better team on paper, but to me, Budenholzer is our Dwayne Casey. He's he's oh, yeah. great at winning in the regular season, and I don't think he's going to get them over the hump in the playoffs. So, yeah, what like the Nets don't the Nets would be like maybe one two fifth on my list of concerns. It's funny you say that because um, when I did like a mental exercise of possible playoff, you know, scenarios and. Mm-hmm. given the bracket what it would be today i actually had if it, if it's not the raptors you know trying mm-hmm. to put my fanhood aside here i had miami going all the way yeah i mean it would be an it would be an incredible thing being a fairly new unit and having young players and all of that stuff but they're just there are so many similarities i think between them and toronto that i don't think that's i don't think it's a crazy I don't think it's a crazy way to end that exercise. They they're doing the undrafted rookies thing. They've got that solid veteran in Jimmy Butler. That's kind of like he's kind of like their Kyle Lowry, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, I think they would be in a, any seven any any team we could see in a seven game series. Miami would be the one I would be most concerned about. And I do think that in terms of cult coaching, Bolshra might be Nick Nurse's like. I don't want to say threat, but biggest obstacle. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah, he's an excellent coach. All right. Well, uh, the bottom line, screw KD. I mean, we don't we don't like him. The Raptors Pretty are gonna much. kill him. Yeah. Raptors are, are gonna destroy <laughs> the Nets. Always. Always. Um 
that being said, this is a good time to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to celebrate the shot anniversary. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so this past week was the anniversary of the shot. It happened May 12th, 2019. I want to say that was Mother's Day. Um, Perhaps the most iconic moment in Raptors history, and depending on who you talk to, perhaps Toronto sports history in general. Um, Mm. Look, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about this. We can spend as much as you want. Um, I I know it's been beaten to death, but in kind of in a good way because it's a celebration. Um, Yeah. But not just as a Raptors fan, but as an NBA fan, what did this moment mean to you? Oh, man. I still, I remember watch. I watched it live with my, my roommate. And I, like, we couldn't believe the shot went down because that doesn't happen to the Raptors. Right? <laughs> like, it does not shake out that way for the Raptors. So it was already such a crazy thing. But then in terms of the NBA, too, it's pretty iconic as an NBA moment, too, because there's never been a series-ending buzzer beater before. Right. That's the first time it's ever happened. Um, I saw uh, the day of on the 12th on Twitter, somebody posted their video from being in the arena behind the net a little bit off to the right and I hadn't seen that angle before. So that was really cool. And like every time I see it, I still get goosebumps. Oh, yeah. Because it's just like, damn it, I can't believe that happened. That was so cool. My favorite, I don't know if you've seen this, but my favorite version of it is somebody has overlaid like the Avengers. Yes. Tri- triumph song over it. Like that was perfect. Um, yeah, like as it, it's it was awesome to be a Raptors fan and have that be a Raptors thing, but it would have been huge, even just as big as a basketball fan as I am, especially professionally. Like my basketball is well beyond the Raptors professionally. Mm. And if it had been another team, it would have still been like a Holy crap moment. Like that just happened. Yeah. So the fact that it was the Raptors on top of it makes it doubly so. And then the way that it, interlaced so well with the last the shot the one that missed is insane you couldn't write it better than that it was eastern conference semifinals it was philadelphia and it was the shot that would have got them to the eastern conference finals that vince missed Mm -hmm. so like i don't know how it could be more perfect than it was it's it, the juxtaposition is crazy because it's insane. It was almost the same spot. Like obviously Kawhi yeah. was more towards the corner, but the inbound everything it was almost exactly the same on the complete other side of the court. Um, yeah. Except that was in Philadelphia. This is in Toronto, right. which makes it even better because it's yes, better. If, if Vince hit that shot, Toronto would have been cr- went crazy. But in that arena, like we've talked about the the crowd response, it would have been deflating there. But having, yeah. like, even if you, maybe if you're not a Philadelphia fan, if you're a Philadelphia fan, that's probably like a stab to the heart. But if you're an NBA fan watching that just for the sake of it, and you see that moment with the jubilation of the crowd response with it, it adds a whole nother dynamic. And like you said, if you're a Raptors fan, it just cranks it all the way to 20 because you're yeah. just like, I just experienced this. And it's one of those moments in sports that 
you know, you will it's kind I liken it to the bat flip with Jose Bautista. You will just never forget where you were if you saw it live. Yeah. You'll never forget anything about it. And I remember watching it with my wife and our daughter is like less than one year year old at this point, and we're like trying not to scream because if we do, she's awake. <laughs> but we couldn't help just standing off the couch and saying, Oh my god, and just like yeah. having a second of joy, but then looking at each other, be like, Hold on, did she just wake up? Like <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that in the whole playoff run and the fact that they won the championship, thinking about the moment where when that championship game ended and Matt Devlin did that call, the you know, the 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 championship is yours. Yeah. That was almost like anticlimactic compared to the shot. Because it was in Golden State. Like, I, yeah. I if it was in Toronto, I bet you would have added like a little bit more oomph to it, like more sizzle. But because, it would have been more. It would have been a little more. But I, I like. There's also the layers of it having been a buzzer beater and having had that. The waiting. If that shot had gone down, nothing but net. Even that would have made it different than yeah. having to watch it bounce four times before it went down. The pin drop effect, right? Because yeah, when you're yeah, for the win, and like you hear each bounce on the rim yeah. and the, it was it, enough time for the whole place to go silent quiet it's crazy yeah. and it makes you wonder if kyle lowry hit that shot in game five what do oh you think gosh. would have been a bigger reaction oh my gosh yeah that's probably the only thing that could have topped it because we were at home and it was kyle like Championship. for kyle to win to to shoot the winning shot in the finals and that be what brings the championship to Toronto. Yeah. That's another one of those things that you couldn't have written it better if it had happened that way. Yeah. All the Kyle Lowry slander would have been, well, all maybe not all of it, but like most of it, you would have had that in your arsenal to be like, oh, did your, did your favorite player hit a buzzer beater to win a championship? Oh yeah. no. Oh, okay. Like, it's <laughs> just, just, just check it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so would you, like, I obviously you're a huge Raptors fan, huge NBA fan. So there might be a little bit of bias, but would you consider this the most iconic moment in Toronto sports history? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard because, like you said, I'm I'm really very much one sport kind of woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I can follow other sports, but I don't really. <laughs> I don't really care to. No, but I, like um, you, I'm sure you know the significance of like the bat flip. Like obviously, people know yeah. what it is, and that you. I'm sure you've seen the effect it had on Toronto sports fans, but like, would you put the shot moment over the championship win moment? As I kind of Yes, as a basketball lover, the finals is it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's. I I think I I resonate with you when it comes to the quote unquote anticlimactic way the championship was won because it's not a buzzer beater but still like the raptors won the championship yeah you know like i think that's why people maybe it's like a a subconscious thing when people are like oh the 76ers are four bounces away from or three or whatever from going to the finals because it it feels like it should have been what led the raptors to the finals that's true like if you were writing a basketball movie that is not a sequence that happens in the semifinals that's a sequence that happens in the eastern conference finals or the finals like you put that in the biggest money spot yeah yeah well i uh i'll never forget where i was and and like a year removed from it now 
like it, if anybody asked me what stood out the most, it's the silence as we talked about in mm-hmm. in the blue tongue because like you never saw that from Kawhi until that moment. The blue tongue. Yeah. It was just it's, it's amazing. I need a poster of it. That's just I need it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's gonna do it for today's show. It was great to have you back on, especially after a two month absence. And now that we can finally, I remember in the beginning of the show, I was like, last time you came on, I was like, it doesn't matter what we talk about because everything's gonna change tomorrow anyway. Um, yeah. I'm glad and it did. It did, but you know, a lot of these things stayed the same, and a lot of the things we predicted actually are coming true so again let's play the lottery and we'll split the cash but uh this is gonna do it um you know the deal you can promote literally any and everything you got going on all your socials anything you want to address feel free to do so the floor is yours okay cool so my regular podcast hardcore honeys is still going strong we've had to dig a little deep for stuff to talk about uh the last dance has saved us for the past few weeks so good that's about to wrap up, but we've had some great conversations about that, especially because I grew up as a Pistons fan and my co-host hates the bad boy Pistons. So that's been super fun. Um, but also Hardcore Honeys has started a live Twitter show every Thursday at 7 p.m. Hardcore Honeys presents NBA Twitter. So we switch it up a little bit. I do the hosting and my co-hosts are uh, one co-host for now. Uh, have some takes on the most interesting, controversial, or downright stupid things I can find on NBA Twitter for the week. (laughs) Um, And right now, we are still looking for a second honey for Hardcore Honeys. We've had our second one has left the show. So if you are a woman or know a woman who is interested in basketball, loves the game, has good knowledge, and might want to try their hand at podcasting, you can find us at at HCHoneys on Twitter or uh, on Gmail at hardcourthoneys at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. All the links to the socials, the podcast will be in the description of the show. And I second that. Look, podcasting has been for me, especially as a Raptors fan, a great way to introduce myself to fellow Raptors fans, to interact with them, much like you, Jade. Just to create this web, right? This big web of interactions and like help other people as other people help me too. If you have the itch and you're female and you want to talk basketball, now's your chance. And this is a great platform to do so. So I highly encourage to reach out. Don't even second guess it. Don't think maybe I'm not good enough. Just do it. Just do it and good things will come. But uh, Jade, I appreciate you coming on the show. We'll definitely do this again. Hopefully when basketball resumes, if it does responsibly. And uh, until then, take it easy. You too. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors. Thank you.